before we get to that section of the scriptures and jump on in, a couple of housekeeping issues. If you weren't here last week, we announced because of the farmer's market moving in the summer, we're going to begin to worship at 10 a.m. as a family, and that's going to start May 22nd. The farmer's market is coming right down to Laurel on June 5th, so we want to give a couple weeks of prep time. So 10 a.m., in this building, we're going to start worshiping May 22nd and on through in all the classes in the morning, adult Sunday school and children's little church Sunday school, that will start at 9 a.m. So not 9.30, 9 a.m. And we'll work out the rest of the details. And last housekeeping issue, we do have another new member slash baptism class right after church today. And we're not going to go upstairs Where's my uh, great-grandmother-in-law? There she is. We're going to head right on over to the welcome room. And anybody who is interested in membership or baptism, please take a seat on the new pew in there, and we'll get right to it. We had a a lively crowd last weekend. So if you're going to come to the class, you have a high standard to meet up to. So we'll talk more about membership, what it is, what it isn't, and baptism. If you haven't been baptized and want to, you're a believer in Jesus. Um, He's actually commanded us to, so we can talk about that. We have two baptisms so far for next week. My daughter Ashlyn and Connor Prevost back there. So it'll be an awesome Sunday. So come celebrate that and we'll have a good time. Let me pray quickly and then uh, we're going to do a four week recap before we get in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's pray. Father, help me and help your people. Holy Spirit, come and teach us about Jesus and Let us be excited and enthused about this adventure we're going to embark on as a family to sit down for a few months and study this sermon Jesus gave. Help me now in Jesus' name, amen. So it's good to see everybody. Everyone, shake your shoulders. I know the rain gets us a little, but we love the rain, right? Just so you know, uh, it's supposed to be summer again this week, so it should be sunny and warm, which will be amazing. So here we go. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is where it is found in the scriptures, and we're going to kind of dive in, and I hope you're excited, encouraged, because church, we are going on an adventure. I'm going to explain that. I've made this reference a couple times. I'm not a mountaineer, but has anybody ever watched Discovery Channel or read the book Into Thin Air or any of those Mount Everest adventures? You just don't show up in Nepal wanting to climb a tall mountain, right? That's called death, right? You won't make it. Most of the people who do these types of things have dedicated their life in some way to achieving almost unachievable goals. And some of the things I've seen in these documentaries, there's a new one coming out on Discovery Channel called Sherpa. It's the, it's the Sherpas that actually go up the mountain like six or seven times. That's crazy. That's Discovery Channel, sorry, April 23rd. I'm not getting paid, I'm just telling you, it's, it's a good adventure. But it looks interesting. Sherpa is the name of the series. And people who want to do this usually dedicate some part of their life to it. Um, professionals who do this, high-altitude mountaineering, dedicate their whole life to their profession. They eat a certain way. They don't eat a certain way, right? <laughs> they train a certain way. They don't train a certain way. And they do many things to get their mind, their spirit, there's a spiritual component too, they say, and body ready to take these amazing adventures. And the metaphor falls short, but 
you probably haven't noticed, but I've been trying as pastor over the last four weeks to get us ready to go on an amazing adventure on the Sermon on the Mount. And I've tried for four weeks to really not confuse us, but hone our senses, both our faculties here and our spirits, to show Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of God the Father. That's what I've been trying to show us, and I'm going to recap that today and kind of lead into next week. After we do baptisms, we're going to look at this blessed life. You guys know the Beatitudes? Blessed is, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm scratching blessed. It literally is blessed. It's not blessed. Like, it's kind of weird. So we'll talk about that next week, right? Come back. This opportunity for kingdom living. So real quickly, a month ago, we were in Hebrews chapter 1. You might remember. I hope you remember something. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job. Hebrews chapter 1, and we unpacked this small section of scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, you might remember, says this. Long, long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by who? All those old turkeys. The old guys. They have weird names. But, verse 2, in these last days, don't get scared, the days after Jesus and after Pentecost is all that means. It's not end times per se, like a book series or a movie. So in this time, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And this is what we dwelt on a month ago, so I'm just going to read it. Verse 3 Jesus, he, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God. And here's the part we want to focus in, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, after offering his life, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know what this verse says? Jesus Christ is God. And God ultimately in his wisdom, chose to speak through a life, not just a book. You get that? That's what that means. What the book couldn't tell us, and the book is the word of God. We went through that last week. God chose to send himself as Jesus to tell us fully who he is and what he wants for us. And a lot of this deals with the Sermon on the Mount. This is this was written post-Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and ascension. And one of the things I hope you remember from that sermon, one of the things I remembered was 6th century into the 7th century into the 8th century, Islam was raging. And one of the ways Islam was raging was they were a lot like the Roman Empire. The Muslims, they showed up to a town and said what? Josh, convert or say goodbye to your family. And most people, what? Converted. <laughs> it's a very effective way of evangelizing, we'll say it that way. How ethical or how moral or how true it is, that's not a time we'll have coffee. But that was happening, and one of the things, these Muslim crusades, Christians responded not so well later on, and that's another coffee date. One of the things they were doing is they were praising Allah, but also in some ways using the Old Testament to destroy all types of icons of this Jewish Yahweh God. You guys have maybe seen some of the news. Some of this is happening still, right? 
People go in and they eradicate anything on the guise of religion. And so one of the things I brought up in that sermon a month ago was in 787 AD, church council got together, lots of churches, and they made a decision on, can we have pictures of Jesus Christ? Is that biblical? You might have your own opinion. But the overwhelming majority in that council said, yes, we can have pictures of Jesus Christ because the scriptures say he is the exact what? Image of God. And the point is in the Old Testament, God said, don't make any graven images because why? You will get me wrong is what God said in the Old Testament. I haven't fully revealed myself yet. But in the New Testament, God has said what? That's who I am. Him. The man. Walking, breathing, healing, talking, resurrecting, preaching grace and truth, not law and wrath, right? So then these churches got together and said, it's all good because we will get the image and the icon right if we go with the biblical life of who? Jesus. And that's one thing I took away from the sermon. I hope that resonates with your heart. I hope we take those truths away. And then three weeks ago, quickly, we went to Mark, and my buddy's actually in Israel. Two of my buddies are in Israel, maybe three of my buddies. PCC's there, too, another church. A lot of people are in Israel right now, and you see on Facebook, Mount Tabor flies up. They're on top of this mountain, and I showed some pictures. And remember about Mount Tabor, how it was accessible for all of us? And remember how I taught where Mount Sinai wasn't accessible in some ways for all of us even today? It was a, a lot different. And the law was revealed to Moses, one man, and it was dark and eerie and things happened. But then in Mark 9, verse 2, Jesus goes up with John and Peter onto the Mount of Transfiguration. You guys remember the story. You might have to flash through it. He's transfigured. And the writer, Mark, is saying he was transfigured not from outside in but from inside out. Actually, he was taking off his humanity and saying, here it is. What happened to Moses when he saw the glory of God in the Old Testament? God said, if you see my full glory, you'll die. Interesting note. Moses said, let me get a glimpse of you. So God metaphorically in some ways put his hand over Moses and Moses saw the back of God. After spending time with God, Moses' face changed so he started to wear a what? Veil. I would come down and John would go, who are you and what happened to Dave? So I would wear a veil. Not to freak anyone out, but in the new covenant on Mount Tabor at the transfiguration, John and Peter saw the full glory of God and were not consumed. And they were brought close, very close to this Messiah, God the Son. And then Peter, you know, got the idea as we would too. I see a strip mall up here, this will be great. It's going to be awesome. Trinkets and icons in the wrong way and money and power and prestige and I know him. And what did God the Father say? Peter, please be quiet. Quickly, Elijah and Moses were representing who? The law and the prophets. And their being there was testifying it's always been about him. We've always been about Jesus. We've been about the Son Let me read it. Mark 9, 
verse 6. Peter, another lesson we can all learn. For he did not know what to say, for he was terrified. So what was the lesson three weeks ago? Be quiet. I remember that. And the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came, verse 7, out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So God from heaven says, listen to Jesus. And then last week, quickly, John chapter 1, kind of went through it. I hope I didn't confuse anybody last week. The main point of the sermon was to try and point out there are two words of God. Lowercase w, the Bible, the pages, the, what's been given to us. Capital W, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word. And I don't want to confuse anybody, but when we take the Bible, this is the caveat, the Bible is perfect when it is interpreted correctly and faithfully preached to point to who? Jesus. Not a system, not a cause, not an ideology, not even a theology at times. Because there is one perfect theology and he has a name, it's what? Jesus. So that wrestles with our hearts, right? But that's where we're going because I want to show us the Sermon on the Mount spoken by the Word of God himself. The title this morning, this is the only sermon we're going to go into in human history where the preacher is more important than what's preached. You get that? I am never, hear me, ever more important than what's preached, ever. And if you're ever in an assembly where someone claims that, politely walk out. Say thank you, but no thank you. You have all of our permission. And we'll say, come back home, right? And we're not going to do anything crazy, but no thank you. But in this Sermon on the Mount, and that's why the kids are in here today, we must understand the preacher is more important than the sermon because the preacher is God himself. That's where we're going. That's why this is an adventure. That's why we need fixed ropes. That's why we can't go in blindly and go, let me take a couple verses and go, woohoo, let's start something. Let's look at the full counsel of Scripture from front to back. Let's look at the life, the living life of Christ. Let's look at what he said and taught. Let's look at how he fulfilled the Scriptures and let's go there. That's safest, folks. If we don't, you and I get in trouble. What happens when you get in trouble on a mountain? Usually you call for help. Jesus is our help. We'll go back to him. <laughs> what did you say? What did you mean? Where have we gotten this wrong? So quickly, John 1, so we see it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. I'm sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember what we swapped in last week? In the beginning was Jesus. That's what it literally means. And Jesus was the word, with the word, and the, Jesus was God. Verse 2, he, there it is, we know now, right? But trust me, he was in the beginning with God. Who is he? Is that Exodus chapter 2? Not nearly. Is that 1 Peter chapter 1? Not nearly. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. And look at this, verse 3, we didn't get there last week. John 1, 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Even though it's written in Genesis, did the Bible itself create anything? No. <laughs> this tells me, along with Colossians, Jesus creates, Jesus speaks. The triune God says, let there be light, 
And it was recorded for us, ultimately to point us to the Son, Jesus. And this is great. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of who? Apart from Christ, is there life in this book? I'm going to freak everyone out. Uh, yeah, wait, no, uh, yeah, uh, wait, no, uh, yeah, uh, wait, I don't know. Christ is life. He is the resurrection and the life. And when we open this, we learn about that life. We learn about, about what was foretold about him. We learn how to see him rightly and worship him. We learn how to pray. I'll get to my list in a minute as I close of all we're going to learn. And here's the part that is sometimes difficult. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's our hope. Jesus illuminates So as we go to the Sermon on the Mount, we got a few folks who are going to teach our junior hires along with us, and that's great. And if you're interested, come see Jeff or I or others, because as we sat and talked, we were going to look for some curriculum for 12, 13, 14-year-olds, and then someone came to me and said, hey, um, not smart person, me, why don't we just teach them the Sermon on the Mount? That's pretty good, right? Why look for curriculum when we could teach our young people about what Jesus and how he taught. And I'm like, you're hired. No, that's good. That's what I said, right? I said, yes. And so hopefully over the last three weeks, we've been pointed towards a perfect theology. That's a name, Jesus. And then next week, I'm going to get into more macro. That means bigger picture in this blessed life. And I'm going to give you a quick thing of why we're going to teach someone on the Mount. And then on April 24th, uh, Dave Bray is going to come and talk about salt and light, what Jesus said about salt and light. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And then we'll talk about biblical authority. Mother's Day will sneak in there. We'll have a little special service. And then in early May, be here for two weeks. We're going to talk about lust. Church will be empty, right? <laughs> Whoop! Be a Bible study, right, John, me and you? But what I want to encourage you with is as we go on this adventure, I'm going to pray for us all in a minute. We pray that God would give us the grace to come with unbiased opinions and see Jesus. And lust has to do with sexual morality, but what Jesus says, it has way more to do with ob objectifying things. People, possessions, money, power. And then we're going to talk about marriage, and that's going to be wonderful. And then we're going to talk about integrity. Uh-oh. You see why we're going to have the junior? It's so easy to pick on junior hires. We all need to hear this. Amen? <laughs> right? And then we're going to talk about revenge. And then we're going to talk about loving the enemy, loving the unlovable. Whew. Fourth of July gets in there. We'll see. But then we're going to talk about generosity. And you're a generous body. Let me take every opportunity to say we are a generous family and so be it. Keep going, right? Jesus has words to say about this. And then we're going to talk about prayer and how Jesus said to pray. Then we'll mention fasting, a, a spiritual discipline. And then we'll talk about finances or money or giving. We'll say it that way. 
And then we'll talk about having a judgmental attitude because Jesus talks about that. And then we'll talk about this kingdom living, what it is like to live as a Christian back then and now. And then we'll talk about what is Christianity. Jesus in the end of Matthew 7 starts to make these claims. And we'll talk about false teachers who are there. Jesus says this. And then in September we'll talk about how futile life is and we are a vapor. And then ultimately we'll talk about what Debbie read about 20 minutes ago, the authority of Jesus Christ. The authority of Christ. I've added two extra weeks and that might take us through towards the fall and will we get ready for what? Thanksgiving and Advent. The year's gone, right? But be here and go on this adventure. Debbie read these verses. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you have a red letter Bible, this is kind of cool. It's all red here. You guys see that? I got two chapters of Matthew. It's all red, right? The cool part about the Sermon on the Mount is this is the words of Jesus Christ. All red, okay? I gotta wake up the junior hires. They're doing good. All red, and we're gonna go through all this. And my whole point is God said this specifically. And he said this with compassion and kindness. And he said this to all people. He said this to Caesar as well as the peasant who was listening, right? He said this to women. I have three daughters, so I'm a slanted toward the feminist side in a good way. But Jesus affirms women over and over again in this sermon. We'll talk about that. But at the end, it's not read anymore. This is the commentary Matthew has. And when Jesus finished these sayings, we'll talk about what sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their own scribes. And this is what I want to close with. The person who is teaching this sermon was not John MacArthur. He was not Joyce Meyer. He was not Joel Osteen. He was not Dave Johnson, praise God, right? He was not Jeff, he was not Dave Bray, he was not any of those people. He was not Charles Spurgeon. He was not St. Augustine. He was not any of the heroes throughout the faith. He wasn't Martin Luther, he wasn't John Calvin. He was and is God. He taught with supreme authority and he dealt with things of the what? heart. Where does anger ultimately come from? Not your brain. You might plot out your anger in your brain, but where does it come from? That, not your pumping heart, I get that. They're looking at me funny. It comes from you and me. Where does the visceral reaction for vengeance come from? It comes from us, folks. Where do we pray from? You pray from your soul and spirit. Holy Spirit's been given to us to help us out. (laughs) Where do we truly worship from? Just our lungs? No, from you. Where do the hurts of divorce come from? Deep inside your soul. Christ has words to say about that. And everything in between. So join us on this adventure. And if you want someone to go on an adventure with, have them join us for this adventure. We're going with Jesus. He is the guide. He is the rope. He is the crampon to climb the mountain. 
He is the tent we sleep in. He's the fire at night that keeps us warm. He's even those little meals we would eat on the mountain, right, that keep us nourished. And that's where we're going. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask God to actually give us grace to come to this sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, with unbiased Christianity. That's hard, right? And hopefully we'll go on this adventure together. We'll close with one more song. After that, if you're interested in membership or baptism, please come join us on our long pew in the welcome room, and we'll talk more about that. We have fellowship and uh, music team as I pray. Why don't you come on up? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you as a family. Thank you for the grace to, over the last month, maybe even unbeknownst to me, to cement in our hearts that you said ultimately what you have to say to us through your son Jesus and that he's fulfilled all the scriptures and that he long ago went up on the hillside called a mountain and taught. And he taught amazing things. Father, give us the grace to come unbiased and unhindered, unfettered over the next few months. Give all of us the grace who are teaching to lay out what you have to say in Christ and encourage our hearts deal with our pains, deal with our struggles, and give us the grace to be empowered to live as kingdom citizens here and now and not just longing for a destination, but impact our hearts so we might impact this place now. In Jesus' name, amen.